When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome in to this edition of UAP Weekly. I am Stephen Diener here with you, as always, on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. Welcome into this one. It's going to be quite the ride, so we're going to try and make it as smooth as possible as we head into uh, Thanksgiving break here. So happy Thanksgiving if you're hearing this today or before Thanksgiving, <laughs> and even if you heard it after Thanksgiving. I hope you had a, a great time, but uh, wanted to get this one out here today before going on uh a little break here, a little hiatus for the next few days, um, especially with how recent this was and the reaction to it, because we are going to cover the surprise interview that caught everybody off guard yesterday, David Grush on Joe Rogan. And there is a lot to dive into here with this. And a lot of people, like I said, including myself, were caught off guard uh, by it. And quite frankly, a lot of us haven't heard, or really none of us have heard, David Grush in this level of candor that he brought to this interview with Joe Rogan and what ended up being uh, over two hours long. So there is no way that we can cover everything here today, but what I wanted to do was kind of touch on the highlights, if you will, and go over those with you and kind of hit the main points and some of the things that I found really intriguing and really striking from this interview because, again, there was a lot that was said, so I'm going to do my best to kind of break it all down for you here today on this uh, pre-Thanksgiving edition of UAP Weekly. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Let's not waste any time. We'll go ahead and start with the rundown here. As David Grush said the thing that everyone has been wanting to hear from the governments of the world. It's a big statement to start with here today as he answered the question from Joe Rogan, are we alone? Here's what David Grush had to say about that. Are we alone? Well, the answer is we're not alone. And I know that with 100% certainty, which as an intel officer, you never say 100%, but all things pointed towards, uh, based on the people I talked to, like Harry Reid, and I use him as an example, but I talked to the highest of the high people you could possibly talk to, if you catch my drift. So mm-hmm. unless all of them are lying and they're covering up something else, which I don't even know what it would be at this point, because the phenomenon is real. It's been going on for thousands of years. People have been seeing strange things, and not everybody's mass hallucinating. So a lot of people attach themselves to that statement because, well, again, in about 25 seconds, there was a lot said there. Number one, the strong statement of saying we are not alone. He put 100% on that, which means a lot. Like, you know, it's it's different for, you know, you and I, we're, we're talking to a friend, and you're like, oh, yeah, 100%. That's true, 100%. 
for an Intel guy like David Grush, for a guy who has spent his you know entire adult life in service to the country, it, it's it's a lot for someone like that to come out and say a hundred percent we are not alone. And he put himself out there and said that. And he even went as far to say that it's been going on for thousands of years. I mean, that goes back to all the ancient, you know, alien theories, ancient astronauts, as, you know, they like to say on the ancient alien show, Giorgio Suclis, Nick Pope and everybody. I mean, th- th- there's that all everything that we've always spoke about and all the theories and what's been called conspiracy theory. He kind of encapsulated there in that, you know, 20 to 30 second clip of saying it's 100 percent true. We are not alone. And they've been here for thousands of years. And this contact has been made for thousands of years. It, it's it's. It's an incredible way to kind of start off, and that's why I wanted to throw that one out there right away. And I thought, too, when he said, you can't say everybody is hallucinating over thousands of years or all these different stories from from around the world and different cultures. People never even spoken to each other, and they have similar accounts. It just doesn't work that way. So he actually went on to talk about, too, where he said, as far as the alien biology, what's, what's the biology of these things? And I thought this was a pretty interesting uh, response here. Yeah, there is a variety, and we have a certain number of of different things. Um, Mm -hmm. But the, like, total numbers of, like, what's interacting with us on Earth, I mean, nobody knows that. I talk to people who are familiar with uh, the biological analysis and everything. So we have some idea, not a complete picture, because it's like, you know, you're looking at it, it's like, well, I don't even understand physiology at all. It's like, what the heck? It's like way different, right? So uh, I was in Washington, D.C. with a very uh, number of senior people that work for members of Congress, put it that way. And I brought the people who worked on that stuff to the Hill. I mean, this is why the members were so confident to put out the Schumer Amendment and stuff. And I, and I was like, please explain. And um, they went into all those details and stuff. And I remember, you know, uh, some, some of the professional staff members were like, whoa, like, like they were like in G lock. Right. Cause I mean, it like a total world bubble got burst right there for a lot of people. I think we can make a lot of progress in our understanding. Once again, if, if this is more broadly studied, um, in an open environment. So a lot to touch on there. First off, Total number is not known, meaning, you know, as far as what different species, different physiologies, biologies of, you know, any extraterrestrials that are here on Earth or that have been recovered working with or against humans. uh, We don't know. Right. I mean, there's all the theories out there one way or the other. And I thought it was kind of I don't know, I guess maybe the right word is startling to hear that the physiology of the extraterrestrials is not fully understood. Like after all this time, if if we are to believe the stories of Roswell or any other, you know, alien craft or body that might have been recovered, to hear that the physiology is still not fully understood decades later is really something. And, you know, to, to hear him say that, how he brought this team, you know, to the House members and, and staff members to talk about the biologics, which led to, you know, different things like the Schumer Amendment, which you're going to hear about today. Um, and, you know, maybe future studies being out in the open. He mentioned Gary Nolan, talking about Gary Nolan, talking about, you know, he would be a great guy to be involved with these studies. But guys like him are never really contacted by the government. Kind of makes you wonder why. I mean, I, he just, to, to paint that picture, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that room when those House members or staff members were presented 
these studies with these biologics that kind of led to where we are today with all these, you know, further things being brought up, like, you know, the House testimony that David Grush was a part of or the Schumer Amendment, like I said, which if you're not familiar with it, you're going to hear a lot about that today because it's brought up a few times and it's a pretty important note when it comes to this discussion. And that's something that they're trying to pass that is basically kind of a, you know, disclosure insurance, I guess you could say, when it comes to anybody like a David Grush uh, trying to bring out this information and basically trying to push the disclosure um, agenda, disclosure conversation forward in a way that it has never been done before. And it all kind of ties in with the National Defense Authorization Act of 2024 that kind of go hand in hand. And if this is able to pass through the House, then it seems like we're going to be able to move forward with you know different panels and uh disclosure efforts that we've never been able to have before. So it's 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 a pretty big deal. On that note, though, could it be possible that a couple of troublemakers, if you will, can end up blocking this amendment? Well, Grush actually named two House representatives specifically here, and I love the hard call-out because these are names that have come up before in the past when it comes to this discussion of people, you know, within Congress who might be trying to stonewall this discussion. I believe... Representatives uh, Burchette and Luna have brought these names up before. Go ahead and, and listen to what Grush uh, talked about concerning Mike Turner and Mike Rogers. You have the the chair of the House Intel Committee, Mike Turner, who's blocking this uh, from Ohio, Dayton, Ohio area. Right, Pat? Weird. And uh, Mike Rogers, which I'm kind of surprised, uh, from Alabama, who's the chair of the House Armed Services Committee, so I have a problem with Mike and Mike right now. Interesting. So he's being pretty open about who he's kind of going up against, right? Or who just just the the amendment, the Schumer Act, anybody in Congress, who they're going up against is guys like Mike Turner and Mike Rogers. And you may have caught that Grush mentioned Mike Turner's relation to Dayton, Ohio, where he said Wright Pat, of course, referring to Wright Patterson Air Force Base, which is practically in Dayton's backyard just east of Dayton in Green and Montgomery counties, to be uh, specific. And he actually did mention that as a suspicious connection to Turner and maybe a reason as to why, or I guess maybe better yet, who would be telling him to stonewall these disclosure measures to begin with, right? Who is, whose pocket is Mike Turner in? Who are these people maybe that he's connected to at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is traditionally connected to the UAP phenomenon over the decades, but he didn't stop there. Not even close, actually. Grush continued to absolutely rip Turner and actually uh, Turner and Rogers as he talked more about what he has said after the congressional hearing this past summer. What, what was said by Mike Turner specifically that uh, David Grush picked up on? Well, listen to what he had to say here. After the hearing, doesn't use my names like this whistleblower. He has no idea what he's talking about. I'm like, Really? Tell me, Mike, have you ever been an intel officer or served in the military? Oh, wait, you've been the mayor, the mayor of Dayton, Ohio. You were voted most corrupt person in Congress a couple uh, years ago. And uh, pull up his PAC donors. Who are his biggest donors? Lockheed, Raytheon, Boeing. Oh, that's straight fire. That is, <laughs> I love that. I love it. I've, we've never heard, at least I've never heard David Grush this open before. Again, the candor. I mentioned the candor that he had at the beginning of the show here today. To, to go on and 
speak to Joe Rogan. And I don't know, maybe he just felt comfortable sitting with Rogan there in that studio where he's like, I'm just going to let it fly here today. And I mean, I, I haven't heard him talk like that where he just calls it like it is, right? Where guys like Mike Turner, basically, he's calling him a liar, right? He's saying that he's, he's you know, deflecting and kind of just full of BS when it comes to all of this. I, I, I love it, man. But this next part is where he specifically calls them out for their efforts to block the Schumer Amendment and any disclosure or disclosure uh, legislation. Here's what he had to say about that. There's nothing to see here. Why are Mike Rogers and Mike Turner in the House blocking this bill that is, in my opinion, the most important legislation for transparency in American history? If there's nothing to see here, if I'm crazy, multi-star generals I talked to are crazy, the intel docs that I read are incorrect, they're forgeries or passage material or something like that, then why don't we just pass this and see what happens? The challenge has been put down. The gauntlet has been thrown by David Grush here. I mean, again, more straightforward and strong than we've ever heard him before in any interview. And that actually kind of made me wonder, you know, because it did. It caught me off guard. We, we hear him cursing in this interview with, with Joe Rogan, which, by the way, I, you'll hear me. That's not the only uh, bleep you're going to hear on the show today. I try to keep it clean. I try to keep it family friendly and keep that clean rating on the uh you know, podcast services and, and networks. So you'll, you're going to hear those bleeps. Um, but I, it kind of made me wonder, is this, I guess, intentional by David Grush? Is this a new strategic play by him? Because he is a very strategic guy. I picked up on that. I'm sure you probably have too. You can tell that, you know, just from any interview he's done, he seems like the kind of guy that takes every precaution possible when it comes to, you know, Talking about this type of information, you always hear him kind of really thinking about what he's going to say. He kind of plans it out before he says it, and he's very measured in his responses, I guess is the best way to put it. And I'm not saying that these responses aren't measured. It's just that they're really straightforward. You know, they're very, they're, they're very candid, and we just haven't heard that before. So I wonder, is coming out strong like this on a show with... The reach of Joe Rogan's, I mean, let's face it, whether you like Joe Rogan or not, I'm not here to debate whether you like Joe Rogan or not. It has an incredible reach when it comes to the podcast world, millions and millions of downloads. So when you're talking about that type of reach, is this a directed strategy by Grush at basically saying, no more Mr. Nice Guy. I'm coming out in this interview and I'm going to tell it like it is and I'm going to get this point across to people because a lot of people are going to hear it. And maybe more people that have ever heard David Grush speak before just because it's on Joe Rogan and he does have that that kind of reach. Now, not to say that, you know, any interview that he's done in the past isn't worth anything. That's not the case at all. I mean, obviously, the work that Ross, that Ross Coulthard did with him was phenomenal, uh, still is. I mean, there's, we, we don't even know who David Grush is or what he has to say if it's not for, for Ross Coulthard. So the work that he's done has been immeasurable. And, of course, what he's had to say during the testimonies, you know, this past summer in Congress, you can't, you know, you know, pass by that either. But this was just kind of on a different level than what we've ever heard. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just felt comfortable and just wanted to kind of, you know, you know, be his be himself without holding anything back. But it seems that way to me that maybe this was an intentional strategy of just being really straightforward for this interview. Another thing he mentioned in that segment, though, or just, you know, in general, that um, I, I couldn't fit in here as a whole, but it was how he mentioned that uh, the mics, if you will, are working to try to get 
someone to run against Tim Burchett. Of course, we know Tim Burchett from Tennessee. He's kind of spearheaded the the disclosure conversation within the Congress. So it definitely seems like, you know, they're – Maybe the Mike's Mike Rogers and Mike Turner might be on the take here, whether it's, you know, some type of government contractors, whether it's someone from Raytheon or Boeing, you know, or Lockheed. You heard David Grush say there who are Mike Turner's biggest donors. It was those three names. So maybe they're on the take. I don't know, but it's it's pretty it's pretty shady. I mean, there's suspicious behavior going on here is you really can't deny that. But he also wanted to talking about, um, you know, hearing these these black ops programs and realizing that UAP task force was not being read in on it when he started to hear about these programs. And in his words, that spooked him because it piqued his kind of, you know, curiosity. Like if these things are going on and the taxpayers are paying for it, why isn't the UAP task force that the taxpayers are paying for being briefed on the things that are happening behind the scenes as you know, this kind of started to unfold for him in the fall of 2019 which is what he alluded to during this interview. So he said from there he did more digging. That that's when, you know, kind of sparked his curiosity, he says, when he started to come across all this in the fall of 2019 and that's when he started to speak to guys about, you know, these guys who actually worked on the craft, he says. These are the people who were reverse engineering extraterrestrial technology. He says he spoke to those guys and from there he did a lot of cross-referencing because he just wasn't going to take their word for it. So he felt, let me do my due diligence, which we've heard him talk about before. So listen here as he discusses the legwork that really went into his initial investigations a few years back. Myself and my trusted colleagues that had a lot, a lot of special accesses like me, you know, we cultivated our network and we ultimately interviewed about 40 people or so, all the way up to multi-star generals, directors of agencies, mid-level guys that literally touched it, worked inside of it, all the the stuff. They brought intel reports for me to look at, you know, documents, and, and a lot of that I could cross-verify with other oral sources that my high-level colleagues or I talked to, and, um, you know, it, it checked out. All right. So the main thing here, my main, you know, my main takeaway from that statement is that this wasn't just something like, you know, somebody told him at the water cooler and they said, hey, man, check this out. And I think an explanation like that, too, kind of helps with, you know, the validity for people who doubt Grush's claims, which, look, that's up to you if you do. But you also have to take into account the way that he acquired this information and the legwork that he put in to, you know, essentially verify it on his end. And, I, you know, I think it's really important to hear that process and how he went through all that. Cause like I said, this wasn't just like, you know, someone told him in the hallway or at the water cooler, there's plenty of references there. There's a lot of work that he went through to make sure that what he was hearing was in fact true. That, you know, what people were telling him what was, was true. And he, he did a lot of work to make sure that was the case. So again, if you want to believe him or not, it's still up to you, but man, that's, that's a lot of work uh, for, for BS, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But you would think that, you know, he kind of earned his way into learning about all these programs, right? In a more official manner, maybe being read into something after, you know, being told about bits and pieces about all these things and the information that he was given. I guess more than bits and pieces. But listen to the response he got when he, you know, approached the officials about getting read into this stuff. And I know who specifically to ask, like, hey, well, I want read into this. Like, 
I'm on the UAP task force, and we went to those, I'll call them gatekeepers for the lack of a better term, and they basically said, fuck you to me and my colleagues. Gosh. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, a guy of his stature and position at the time, right? I mean, senior intel officer, head of the investigative team that was hired for that purpose to find these things out. And then when he's like, well, you know, I'm finding these things out. I'm being told to ABC. Let, how about you, you know, read me into these programs? No, nope. bleep you. <laughs> the, the audacity, the goal. But that's what we're up against. And that's what David Grush is up against. And that kind of goes into the reasoning why he decided to come out about all this, which we're going to get to in, in just a little bit. But even after all of that, he never lost sight of what he felt was the right thing to do. He continued to push for the truth. And while well, the rest is history, as they say, as you know, we kind of kind of takes us to where we are now. But as we begin to kind of, you know, go on the uh, other side of this, I really thought this point here that he made was was really poignant, and he addressed the question, which was, how come you just don't spill all the beans? Like, you know, come on, man, you know, just tell tell the world everything you know. I thought this was really well put here, when and I think it's it was worth also kind of breaking this up into two parts, because the first part here to that's, you know, not accusation, but really more of the statement of like, come on, just tell us everything. To break it into two parts, because the first part he talks about is what he feels is his responsibility to reveal and also not reveal. So take a listen to that first as he kind of starts to, you know, get a little personal, too, about what he feels is is on the table here and how it's uh, impacted him. That all kind of plays into it. The president and his cabinet need to disclose this in a controlled manner, going back to that amendment. You know, I'm not here to... Uh, you know, push the subject in an improper way. And that sounds like, why don't you just do it, Dave? I'm like, there's a lot of secondary and tertiary ramifications socioeconomically, theologically, um, our relationship geopolitically with our allies and adversaries. This is not uh, rip off the Band-Aid and it's simple. There, there's, it, there's a lot of complex stuff behind the scenes that need to happen. And that's why I'm I'm laying out all the general stuff that needs to be talked about during mm-hmm. the disclosure process, but I should not be the one disclosing. And it would be highly inappropriate because I care about the health of the United States and its people and national security for me to do so. So I think that's a pretty fair answer. I mean, he doesn't feel like and, and I get it. I mean, honestly, if I was in his position, I would probably feel the same way when it comes to, well, shoot, you know, I, I'm going to push this discussion forward as much as I can. But It also shouldn't be up to me to tell everybody everything. Like, there are certain ways to go about this. He understands the diplomacy of a situation like this, being in the position that he's been in. And it's not like, you know, I'm a Grush fanboy or, you know, a Grush apologist or anything like that. But I do sympathize with what he's saying there. And listen, this guy is, you know, definitely is one of, you know, the most reputable people out there right now talking about this stuff, which is why when he does an interview like this, it becomes pretty big news, especially for the stuff that he was saying in the interview. But he did mention the president as well and the role that the president plays. And that's something that we will touch on as we end the show in, in a little bit, because there was something he said there that was incredibly important to how all this could play out in the future. First, though, I want to play the second part of his response here as as to why he just doesn't, you know, blurt everything out that he knows. Right. That was the first part. But I think 
This is the most vulnerable moment we've seen from Gruss so far as he talks about how this whole thing has, you know, kind of personally impacted his life. This was um, this was striking. This is serious. This is not like, haha, let me tell you a good story. I'm a serious guy. I ruined my f- career doing this. I was going to make lieutenant colonel in the Air Force in this winter. Uh, I spent 18 years in uniform, uh, if you count the cadet time, right? Uh, my whole adult life was serving as an intel officer. But I wanted to see change, so I'm throwing the flag out, and I'm here to hold the government accountable to do the right thing. Hold the government accountable to, the, to do the right thing. What, what, a, what a novel idea, right? But, no, in all seriousness, I mean, it's it's— a noble thing that he's doing. I mean, you're talking about a guy that essentially had it made, you know, as as a career man in the Air Force and in the intel community. You're set for life at that point. I mean, let, let's just be honest. And he's like, you know what? I got to I got to do what I feel is right. And I do. I admire that. That's that says a lot about a person. And, you know, that's something that we all have to kind of look in the mirror and say, sort of say to ourselves, would we be doing what David Grush decided to do. That's that's a tough road to go down. It's a tough road that he's going down right now to kind of put his military career aside or really, you know, not even really aside, but just gone and to kind of put himself out there to, to try to get the truth out of what he found out, to try to bring about disclosure in a meaningful way, the most meaningful way that we've seen in our lifetimes. But speaking of all that, when it comes to government, we'll finish off with that subject to pick up on the discussion surrounding what the president can and should do in his position. At one point earlier, Grush told the story about, um, or I should say earlier in his interview with Joe Rogan, he told a story about something that was related to him by a fellow intel officer who was in on a meeting with what he called a recent administration. And he said that in that meeting with the president at that time and other officers, they were discussing the possibility of disclosure and if they should go ahead and move forward with it. Like this was actually being spoken about, not like, hey, you know, what do you guys think about this? They were actually strategizing on how to move about with disclosure and telling people the truth about, you know, extraterrestrial life and reverse engineering programs and what they found out, bodies, crash retrieval, all those different things. This was being spoken about at the highest levels with the president and his administration at that time. Now, again, David Grush couldn't tell which administration that was, but he's being told these discussions did happen. And he said that he was told the only reason they did not move forward with coming out with the truth and disclosure at that time, that it had nothing to do with how it might affect society or people's belief systems, you know, uh, theology and things like that, religion, I've spoken about before, you know, disclosure versus religion. It wasn't even that. He says they weren't even worried about causing shock or panic in the streets. It was, according to Grush, he was told the reason behind the secrecy then and now revolves around, you guessed it, power and money. What have we always said before? It always comes back to money. Follow the money, right? If you have the questions. And in relation to, they were afraid of how contractors, government contractors, would have been left out. The ones that, that who have been left out, how they would react. They've been left out of all the fun. They, they don't have a piece of the pie, right? How are they going to react? Are they going to sue the government? Are they going to sue, you know, for, you know, basically 
lost revenue, billions and billions of dollars that they lost out on because of these secrets that are being held, because of laws that are being broken to hold these secrets? Is this, you know, a cover your own butt type of situation is really what it turned into as well, because they were also afraid of litigation going so high that would have reached the Supreme Court eventually. So essentially, on top of the power and money, it was kind of cover your own butt situation, you know, CYOB for all of the laws that were broken and, you know, the secrets being hidden. So that's what it came down to, according to David Grush, and why disclosure didn't happen at that time and really why it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's it's all those things, right? It's all the above. It's always the power. It's always the money. It's always covering your own butt. So according to Grush, he's been told that there's a lot going on behind the scenes, just like we've always thought. But in the end, it seems like the current or any future administration may hold the key to how this goes, along with the passage of the Schumer Amendment. So to close this out, let's end where we began in talking about this amendment, kind of or kind of began, as Grush answered the question here, how he sees all of this playing out as we enter 2024 and beyond. Well, how does how does disclosure look as the months and years, quite frankly? Go ahead. This was a really fascinating answer. Listen to how he uh, kind of goes into this. You know, as long as the House doesn't kill this Schumer amendment, and I'm, you know, that's why I'm discussing it here with you, because if they they don't pass it, it's going to be the greatest setback to humankind in U.S. history, literally. So the presidential panel gets impaneled about 90 days or so after the passage of the bill. So by by Christmas as long as it doesn't get killed, will be in the National Defense Authorization Act. Panel will be formed, um, say, February, March. Then they have a 300-day process to develop a initial plan for the president. And I don't know if uh, Chuck Schumer and his staff are being kind of uh, crafty or whatever, but the 300 days, if you actually do it out, it's like the election. <laughs> so, yeah. And we have a, a plan out to 2030 where this stuff starts getting rolled out. Knock on wood, perfect storm. Things could get delayed. Uh, but really, if the U.S. government doesn't get their uh, house in order here, I mean, you could have uh, uncontrolled disclosure events such that either maybe the non-human intelligence is like, yeah, let's do it. Or what if one of our adversaries decides to disclose and they become the messiah figure on this and we lose sovereignty or national supremacy in, in that regard from an open and honest civil society perspective. But I think the governments were getting close, I think. All right. So a lot to unpack there. Let's kind of take it step by step because that's kind of the key, right? That's, that's kind of the timeline. That is the path to how things could go, should go, um, you know, kind of starting with the plan there, right? When it comes to first the Schumer Amendment, a lot of this stuff really uh, revolves around that to uh, basically to allow for disclosure efforts to take place, real disclosure efforts to take place in 2024. And then you're talking about, you know, putting this panel together that will involve the president, whoever the president may be, because you heard David Grush mentioned the timeline there, 300 days from February or March, that all of a sudden brings us to the election in early November. So how is that going to play into this? Will this become an election issue? Will you see, you know, presidential candidates actually talk about, you know, maybe go the Jimmy Carter route? You know, talks, we uh, spoke about that in episode 74 in the Jimmy Carter episode, religion versus uh, disclosure. Will they 
make promises like Jimmy Carter did saying, you know, we'll bring about disclosure. We're going to act on this amendment that's been passed or hopefully pass anyway. I mean, I'll be honest, David Grush sounded kind of worried there. Maybe that's because of his, you know, relationship with the Mikes, as he mentioned earlier, the kind of stonewalling issues with Mike Turner and Mike Rogers. So it sounds like there's some concern there, but hopefully it passes because it's it's a big deal, obviously, as you can hear in the way that he explained it. And you might have been caught off guard, too, when he said 2030. And look, if that's how long it takes, if that, if that is a long-term plan, if things go well into 2024 with all these plans that we're talking about. So I guess we'll see how long it all takes. You know, is it a slow drip process? That's what I've been told. It seems like it will be a slow drip process when it comes to disclosure. More and more things will come out as time goes on. But I guess we'll see how it all plays out, obviously. Hopefully the stonewalling won't continue and those people are kind of, you know, put aside. And how about this? When it comes to NHI, he mentions possibly revealing themselves. Maybe we're talking about aliens getting impatient is basically what he's saying. And what he said there in that clip is aliens getting impatient and saying, you know what? We're just going to do this ourselves because we're tired of your politics and bureaucracies that are, you know, preventing all this stuff from coming out. I mean, that's it's a wild thought. Could you imagine something like that? And then he, what also I thought was kind of striking was mentioning maybe adversaries come out and do it. Maybe they try to stand on the mountaintop and say, ha, ah, you silly Americans, you couldn't get this figured out and worked out. You're too busy arguing amongst yourselves to, you know, put this out there. So we are going to look like the heroes. What if it's, you know, again, American adversaries, Russia, China, whoever it might be, they come out and say, ah, well, here's the truth. And the Americans didn't know, but we know, and we're the heroes because we're telling you. Really interesting ramifications to kind of keep a close eye on as the months, maybe even years, go on as we, you know, continue to discuss these things and really just, you know, keep a close eye on what happens. But still optimistic in the end, right? Hopefully things do continue to go in the right direction. So many different back roads, though, and that's what gets me. There's like so many different back roads. There's different people that talk about all this stuff and it all kind of leads, though, to this one main highway of ultimate disclosure, if you will, right? There's this person says this, and this person says that, and I believe them, and I don't believe them. But it's all trying to get to the same destination. And that's everybody trying to get on the same page with knowing the truth about what is going on and what has been going on. That's what we all want in the end. So all in all, a really well done interview and a really important one as well. So kudos to Joe Rogan for making this happen, this interview with David Grush. And I'm really happy that it finally took place. I know a lot of people wanted to see it. And honestly, I'm happy that I got to cover it for you here today to kind of review and go over some of, you know, these main points that happen in the, you know, two plus hour interview. If you get to sit down and listen to the whole thing, I mean, obviously, I suggest that as well. And again, you know, it's not like I don't want to come off as, you know, a Grush fanboy, like I said earlier. It's not like I hang on every word the man says, but he is an extremely interesting character in this time. Again, someone with his stature, his background, his reputation. It's definitely he's the most newsworthy person speaking right now on this. So when something like this comes out, you better believe it's important enough to cover here today and review for you on UAP Weekly. I will say this to wrap up. On this episode, um, you know I'm always big on the decide for yourself mantra. I mean, that's basically the motto of the show, right? But I have to relate what I have personally become aware of over the past couple of years now doing this show. I've actually become aware of many things, but this one thing in particular stands above all else because it all leads back to this one thing for me. And that is the overwhelming sense of reassurance that 
we are on the right side of history with this discussion. Sometimes I have my doubts, you know, this or that, whatever creeps up. But then I get reassured again and again that this, in this moment, to continue to push forward and that the disclosure process is real and the cover-up is real. And the fact is, those are the two sides in this moment in history. During this time, while this discussion is happening, while everything's playing out in real time in front of our faces with all of these people in front of us who are helping to push this forward. And there are those who wish to continue the secrecy and cover things up. And those who are trying to stop them and bring these stories to light. So I say again, we are on the right side of history. I'm sure of that. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me and, you know, indulging in in all of this. Um, I really appreciate your time, especially during the Thanksgiving holidays. I put this out here today. I wish you all Thanksgiving for everybody who's celebrating. And, of course, I'll keep you updated on all things UAP and future episodes coming out. Uh, Coming out over the Thanksgiving break as well, I will have a, a new version of UAP Greatest Hits, one of my favorite episodes I have done to this day concerning the Dulce base in New Mexico. So if you haven't heard that, I'll put that out as well in uh, the coming days over Thanksgiving break. And of course, don't forget to download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It's everywhere. You can follow the show on Twitter if you aren't already. I always put that out there, at UAPodcast850 on Twitter and all social media, actually, uh, you know, YouTube and TikTok and all those things. And for those who don't want to contact using social media, if it's not your thing, feel free to email me at sdienerUAP at gmail.com. That's S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out UAPpodcast.com. Everything having to do with the show is there as well. But on that note, thank you all again for everything and for joining me here today on this one. I will speak to you again soon. So much more to come up on UAP, so stay tuned for all the updates and all the new episodes coming out soon. It's Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.